Hi, this is Send7, I'm Stephen DeVincenzi. Today we have a bonus episode, different to our normal seven minutes of daily news. This is a conversation I had last week with Tanya, a woman from the city of Kherson in Ukraine. During the first days of the Russian invasion of Ukraine in February, the city of Kherson was attacked and then occupied by Russia. Kherson spent more than eight months under Russian occupation. In March, there were anti-Russian protests, which were brutally suppressed by the Russian occupiers. In September, there was a supposed referendum to join Russia, which almost every country in the world refused to recognize, and Russia declared that Kherson was part of Russia. In August, President Volodymyr Zelensky said that the Ukrainian military was launching a counter-offensive to recapture the Kherson region, and on the 9th of November, the Russian army left Kherson city, and the Ukrainian army entered the city with crowds of civilians celebrating their return. As always, this episode is free, If you enjoy the Simple English News Daily podcast, please help to support us at send7.org slash support. Send7 supporters also have access to the transcripts of all episodes. For people who are learning English, although Tanya's English is very good, it isn't perfect. So in the transcripts of today's episode, I have shown some small corrections. This is Tanya from Kherson. Tanya, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. It's nothing. Could you start by telling us a little bit about your life before February, before the Russian invasion? Of course. I'm Tanya. I live in Ukraine in Kherson. I'm married and uh, I have one daughter. She is 18. Oh, I'm sorry, she's 19. Oh, what a mother. <laughs> um, uh, we live in Kherson, as I said. Uh, we have our own business. I used to breed Yorkies. Wow, dogs. The small breeds, yes. And we have a pet store. And uh, I own the grooming salon. I am a groomer. And uh, that's what I did. Uh, before the war. I also very active in church. We are Christians. And I am a worship minister in our church in Kherson. So my life was very busy. Yeah. Did you spend all of your life in Kherson? Yes. I was born in Kherson and yes. Yes. Right. Is your first language Russian or Ukrainian? I know, I think in in Kherson, more than half of the people speak Russian as a first language, right? Yes. Yes. My mother spoke with me Russian. So uh, from my birth, Mm. I spoke Russian, but I know uh, Ukraine language fluency. You know, it's very, it's, uh, and now I prefer to speak Ukrainian. Right. Um, Is that just since February or before then as well, you preferred to speak Ukrainian? No, uh, it was before, but uh, since February, uh, 
I'd like to speak it more. I, I, I'd like to forget Russian, you know. Okay. Well, before February, you say you were living in Kherson, you had a pet shop, mm -hmm. and you uh, were a groomer, so you were looking after dogs and yes. other animals. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. I have nine Yorkies wow. in my home, and uh, my husband in Kherson now, taking care about them. Right. The beginning of this invasion was on the 24th of February, and uh, you were in Kherson at the time. Could you possibly just describe uh, those few days at the very start? It was very early in the morning. Uh, first, what we've heard, uh, it was uh, big shooting and bombs. Our house is... Uh, at the end of the town. And uh, we are live very close to Chernobyevka airport. I can see it from the window of my town, of, of my house. And uh, I saw the black smoke. Uh, we've heard uh, shouts and bombs. And um, it was like the war began. Uh, my husband started like to run around the house and uh, to fill all the tanks with uh, water. And uh, I was like, I don't know what to do. I'll go and take a shower. And uh, after we filled all tanks with water, he wanted to fill the gas in the car. And he went to do it and he came back and he said, no possibility because the line was very big so many people uh and uh, we were just scared right and uh, wait this is then in a few hours we saw helicopters uh it was very well then we understood it was russian helicopters and uh, we uh, heard the air force of Russia. It was very loud sound of the planes. And we, um, like it was uh, in, the, in night, uh, like uh, they made a circle and bomb, like in another circle and bomb. Do you know if they were bombing the airport or different places? Uh, they were bombing the airport. Yeah. They were not bombing the city. Like first days, they were bombing airport. And uh, yeah. I know that uh, there were fightings before our militaries and Russians. But uh, we, we've heard yeah. just sounds of bombing. Nothing. And we tried uh, to, of course, a lot of people crowds of like people started to buy all food from all markets and uh, the pharmacies were just like empty in a few days in a few days they like yeah. all stores were empty and no chance uh, to deliver any goods in her son and the uh, first date um uh, Russian militaries, they were around the city. They didn't enter. Yeah. Like first few days, two or three. And then they 
put few rockets into the buildings, maybe to scare us. You're saying, sorry, uh, they put some rockets into buildings in the center of Kherson? It's not in the center. It was in uh, my uh, like uh, part of the city. I don't know in the region or how to say like a block area. Area, yes, and uh, it was uh, apartment building. Uh, they got into the school, into the uh, apartment building, and few more apart like uh, yes buildings, and uh, and then they entered the city. Right in their military cars. Uh, with uh, all the guns and uh, like everything and uh, all that dead yeah. on the cars. It was so scary. I cannot even tell you. Few days I didn't work. Uh, no, not few days. I didn't work a month and a half. The first six weeks of the Russian occupation, you you didn't work maybe you didn't leave the house very much yes we just left uh we just left to buy food if we uh if we could find it it was yeah. the challenge to buy food it was the big challenge because big lions and uh, uh it was it was hard yeah and uh, uh all activities uh was till uh like 3 p.m right then Everybody at home streets are empty and the town is like it, it 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 was it looked like it was dead you know nobody on the streets yeah and you say you saw all of the russian soldiers you said cars with z on it and tanks with z on them going through the streets yes in the town and um, did you ever have any interaction with them did you no. talk to them at all no it was very scary because they were just staring at you and uh, my eyes were down and I was hurry and I didn't uh, try even to look at them. No way. Did you see what they were doing? Did you uh, see what they were doing? If they were there for so many months, eight months, nine months. Did you see who they were, what their lives were like? What what were they doing during their time in Kherson? No, uh, uh, they didn't do it uh, like openly in uh, in a town. They did very awful things in villages around Kherson and heard about it. Uh, but uh, in Kherson, they proclaimed themselves that they are like our saviors, you know, mm -hmm. and they put their government and uh, uh, as they were said that we uh, like set you free. We don't we didn't know from whom, but we uh, didn't want to talk or to communicate because uh, the total fear was in Kherson. People were like protesting. People were protesting. I didn't go to those protests. Really, I was scared. Yeah, and I didn't let my husband to go there. Yeah, the protests that you're talking about—they were mm -hmm. seen all around the world. In the first, mm -hmm. probably just in the first two, maybe three weeks of the occupation, and then I think they they stopped. 
Do you know why they stopped happening, those protests? Yes. Uh, first, uh, military guys entered the city and they didn't know what to do with all those protests uh, because they, I think, they uh, thought that we will meet them with the flowers, you know. Mm. Maybe they were told we were waiting for them. And when they saw all those protests and people just were shouting and asked them to leave. Uh, they were in shock and they didn't know what to do. And our people were very active, very active in those protests. Uh, but then in a few days, the other guys came in the other uniform. They were in black. And those guys, they knew what to do. They started to shoot on people's legs. They started to like to throw uh, gas and uh, uh, the sound, I don't know how to call them, the bombs, or what makes like uh, a smoke and big sound. Yeah. And uh, uh, they uh, also they changed and they were around the crowd yeah. and they followed people and more active people, uh, they uh, got uh, into the prison like they they took them and uh, uh, my husband's friend uh, he's from Kachovka it's uh, the neighbor our neighbor's city and he was at the basement in a prison he spent there like uh, three or four days because he was very active on those protesting meetings your husband's friend was arrested in one of these protests and then taken and put in a basement for three or four days? Yes. yes. Was he okay? What happened to him? Uh, he said that it was very awful because there were uh, 12 of them in a room of uh, four square meters. Right. He said there were four lying places places where they could lie, yeah. lay down. And uh, he said that uh, they feed them once a day. It was very cold there. And most of the day they were standing because there were no place to sit or, uh, or lay down. And uh, he said when they heard uh, someone walking, they should uh, stay uh, close to the wall face to the wall yeah. and hands up and uh, wait. So uh, he said it was awful. And uh, the one thing what uh, like uh, helped him to leave that place, he was a Christian. And he said that on those meetings, I uh, gave uh, like uh, New Testaments people yeah. And I I didn't like uh, said uh, something against Russia or against and uh, uh, they made him to 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 make a video right where he said that he was very sorry and uh, he didn't uh, want to do it or something and then he, they let him free they let him go right you stayed inside mostly for the first six weeks and then did you start to go out again did you start to work again after that yes i started to work 
uh, because my clients wrote me, Tanya, I don't know, people who has dogs, they are special. No matter what, their dog need a haircut. You believe me. And I was like telling them, really? Really, you want me to go out and uh, like, and you want to go out and take like and have a haircut of your dog? Yes, they want it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I was working about two or maybe maximum three weeks. And then uh, we decided to leave with our daughter. Uh, and uh, the last thing was like, I was very afraid them to come to my home because i've heard about bucha in kiev yeah uh and what happened with girls and uh, all women of course i have 19 years uh, girl in my home you know i was like me and my husband we were very scared about did you tell your daughter to stay inside for of course of course the last spot was we heard tanks at night with a big like lights and they started to put those lights in our windows it was very scary and uh, like i was crying and in the morning my husband said please leave my sister lives abroad she lives in qatar huh. And uh, she wanted us from the first day. She asked us uh, somehow to leave. And uh, there were no green corridors from her son. They didn't let civil people to leave, but uh, still. Just to, to be clear, what you mean by green corridors is you're saying that there were no ways to go from the occupied area of Kherson into the rest of, of Ukraine. Yes. They didn't let people to live. They didn't give what I mean, green corridor, uh, the road where they don't bomb or shoot. So people could live safely. There was no safely way to leave the town. Yeah. People, uh, if they wanted to leave, they took a risk. And uh, uh, we did it. So can you just um, explain how you did leave her son you say now you're now you're in kiev that's right yes mm -hmm. uh we found uh the people who were uh like it was uh, some of them were volunteers some of them took money of course like uh, because it was also a risk and uh, my husband he found uh, those people mm -hmm. who transported us who gave us transport, who delivered us. I don't know how to say it. Transported, yeah. Yes, yes. It was very fast. We found one. Uh, then he said, okay. Then he refused. Uh, we like changed few uh, guys. And then we found the last one who said, okay, I'll pick you up in 30 minutes. They should be ready. And we were like, wow, 30 minutes. Okay, we had one suitcase, he took us and uh, he brought us in, uh, uh, in his hotel. It was uh, the owner of Volvo Salon Cars. He was a person who owned a car 
shop, basically, a place that sells cars, Volvos. Yes, and uh, he helped people to leave her son. And on the way back, he delivered to her son medicine, uh, anything like uh, some, some people needed uh, maybe like eye contacts or something he had orders and he uh, delivered it on the way back to her son yeah uh, so he had his own hotel was his hotel in Kherson city yes yes we spent the night there mm. and very very early in the morning it was at 5 a.m uh we started to move uh, in his car he had four cars and the uh, there were a line about 1,000 cars. Right. And we were in that line, living. What, di what direction were they going? Was it to Mykolaiv, the city to the west? or No, 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 no. The road to Mykolaiv was closed. Okay. This was the closest road. And usually to get to Nikolaev from Kherson by car, it uh, takes us about uh, 60 minutes about an hour. Uh, so uh, we were going through Snigurivka village. Okay. And uh, uh, it took us to get to Nikolaev six hours. Right. And was that partly because of the queues and also partly because you have to go through lots of military checkpoints? Yes. We, we, we passed through a lot of... Uh, military Russian checkpoints uh, and uh, thanks God they uh, they checked the car only once. We were scared to death really because they told us uh, to cancel all photos from the telephone, all videos, all like uh, telegram channels we were in you know uh, nothing about uh, ukraine nothing about uh, shooting nothing about their uh, like photos pictures delete everything that's because the russian soldiers would look at people's phones yes because russian soldiers if they take your phone if they found find something they don't like you can you can have very big problem did that happen in Kherson city as well? I know I've heard stories about people having their phones inspected just in the streets in Kherson yeah. over and uh, and soldier and the Russian soldiers finding something pro-Ukrainian and just taking them away. Yes, take them away and uh, uh, the situation was with uh, my aunt and her uh, grandson. They came into the their house and they were checking around and uh, they asked his phone and uh, they found out that his father is fighting for ukraine right he's the military and uh, they wanted to take him away this boy you, how old is he uh, he's 20 right right and his father is is fighting for ukraine yes and so they uh, came into their house yes. and looked at his phone. Yes, and, and uh, uh, they saw uh, that he was uh, he was texting to his father. They wanted to take him, but she was 
crying and uh, standing against it and begged them not to do it. So uh, they just uh, had a very strong conversation with him. Uh, and they said that your father is Nazist. Is a Nazi? Nazi. Is a Nazi. Yes, Nazi. And uh, we set you free and that he should be thankful for that. Right. And uh, you text your father that he's doing very bad and uh, like uh, you think Russia for rescue him. Right. Like something like that. So let's go back to when you were leaving Kherson. This was mm -hmm. at the end of April. You said mm -hmm. that you uh, had to pass through lots of checkpoints and it was a very scary experience. How many different Russian checkpoints did you go through? I think about eight or nine. I think about eight or nine checkpoints. And uh, only at one, uh, they uh, stopped the car and uh, they asked um, documents from our driver. And they were asking to open the... Um, the boot? Yes. The back. And they wanted to see our bags, but they didn't uh, look into. They just like uh, were looking around and said, okay, you can go. And uh, the thing was the strange for me, they were smiling and said, have a very nice day. Yeah. Did you get the idea that they didn't know how you feel about them and about how most of your friends and family felt about the Russian occupation, did they still feel like what they were doing was correct and that they were liberating you? I don't know how you can, I don't believe in that. Because uh, you can feel the reaction of all people. If people like you, they don't leave the place. They don't leave their homes. It was very hard for me to leave my home, to leave my husband, uh, everything like I have. And I still, I don't know if I'll have a chance to come back. You know, mm -hmm. I have a big hope. Yeah, I have a big hope. But uh, uh, how you can, uh, you see thousands of people are leaving their homes. Yeah. And uh, how you cannot understand they don't uh, love you, they don't like you, and they don't want to live under your like government power and everything else. Yeah. They uh, like we didn't leave to Russia. <laughs> we we took a risk. Yeah. And uh, we we heard very loud bombs around somewhere. And actually, this guy, our driver the owner of uh, Volvo shop, he was killed in a month. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, uh, he was killed taking on the way from her son. The sniper got into his head. Wow. So this was when he was doing a similar journey one month later, but going back in the direction from Mikolaev towards her son? From her son. Oh, so exactly the same journey as what you did exactly the same journey, uh, journey yes it was very scary yeah so you left Kherson at the end of april yes and your husband 
stayed there. Yes. What was it like communicating with him after that? Was it easy to continue talking to him? Yes, yes. He had a connection. He had uh, internet and uh, we could connect through the internet, through uh, different... media through social media or yes yes did he tell you about what life was like during all of those months because your husband was there through april may june july august september um october all of that time during the russian occupation um what was life like during that time Uh, uh we talked to each other almost every day and until now uh, so uh, the life was uh, awful, awful. Uh, and the main thing is total fear. This is the main thing. And when I thought like what to speak about in this interview and uh, what I want to say to everybody that you cannot even imagine how civil country we were living a good life. Uh, we had everything. Uh, we were free to say anything we wanted as you are I- in your country. The same was with us. And you cannot even imagine those fear when uh, they occupied and uh, you cannot say what you want. Say what you think. If you are against them, they can shoot you. Just like that. Uh, There were so many car accidents in Kherson during this period. And uh, nobody punished any of them. Militaries could uh, just um, attack civil car. They could... Uh, run on a very high speed, you know, and just uh, crash. Yes, someone. And leave. And they don't care if someone got hurt, if someone died. No punishment. You you were living in this situation and uh, you knew that no, no one will protect you. And they, 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 they came to steal. What my mm-hmm. husband told me, like they stole everything from the town. Our buses, our fire cars, the fire engines. Yes, emergency cars. Yeah. They they stole everything. Even uh, they opened big like offices. And they stole all computers, uh, even chairs and tables. Yeah. And it was like they came to rescue. They came to bring us peace. By what? By by stealing. Mm. Like people could see everything. Yeah. And uh, the most, the biggest problem that nobody could do anything with this. People were just occupied, living in this fear. Uh, and uh, they could do nothing. Yeah, they did. They protested first days, nothing, and uh, we were just waiting. Nothing else. What Igor said, like my husband, his name is Igor. What Igor said that 
um, our military, when they shoot, yeah. they did it specific in the Russian militaries. They never shoot civil civilians. Yes, or schools, or hospitals, or anything else, and uh, that's why he felt a little bit safe. I think it was in September, Russia organized these uh, referendums, which most of the world has ignored and said were completely fake. And most of the Kherson people also ignored. Yeah. Your husband didn't uh, vote in that? Of course. Of course. And uh, he knew that nobody did. Mm. And as we have... uh, a pet store uh, they made him uh, to sell in ruble not in only in grivna but in ruble money so that's during uh, the time that your husband kept the shop open yes at some point the russian soldiers came in and said okay from now you have to only use rubles not only but you have to use both Ah, okay, you have to use both. Rednas and rubles. And uh, they made him to come and uh, register in their uh, tax service. They made up the tax service. Of course, there were people who were cooperating with them yeah. in her son. Mm. There, there, there were some. And uh, our neighbor was one of them. That cooperated. Did did, uh, your neighbor want the Russians to come? Yes. Actually, he was ahead of the Russian police in Kherson. Ah, so during the occupation, he became the head of the Russian police. Mm -hmm. He worked in Ukrainian police before. Mm. And uh, he, they moved in Kherson like eight years ago uh, when the war started in the uh, like east in the donbass yes yes in donbass and they moved to Kherson, and uh, uh, they were not very friendly they were like uh, he and his father and mother and they bought uh, two houses near us my husband was very uh, like suspecting about it you know he was like they are just normal people. He's uh, working in police where they took money to buy uh, two buildings, two houses uh, uh, at once, you know. So your husband was suspicious that he was corrupt before? Probably. Yeah, yeah. And so you said that this man originally came from the Donbass and then he moved to Kherson or not? We, we, like, we didn't friend like we uh, oh, you don't know where he came from yes we don't know they were not very friendly but they were definitely from ukraine yes yes yeah okay <laughs> okay um so obviously uh if he was uh, an important person in the occupation police then probably he has escaped now yeah, yes uh, my husband said that the week before uh, our military came into the uh, town in Kherson. Uh, they they left. Do you know anybody else who was cooperating 
with the Russian occupation? I not, I know one, uh, another man who was, um, I don't know him very well, but I know about him. Uh, and uh, I know few families who were glad mm. that they came and uh, they, I think, they didn't understand what it means exactly when uh, another country uh, comes on territory of the other country. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's uh, definitely cannot end good, yeah. really. Like, if you can understand big propaganda yeah. is a very big problem. Mm. Because first thing, what they did in Kherson, they switched off all Ukrainian TV, radio stations, uh, and uh, we have, uh, I don't know, like uh, Sput Sputnik. Yeah, te the television channel Sputnik from Russia. Yeah. Uh, we we have at home, we have Sputnik television, so we can see all, cha all channels we want. And my husband still has a chance to... And all this period, he had a chance to watch Ukrainian news. Right, right. Yeah, and, but you think uh, most people were not able to... Yes, a lot of people were not able to or see or to hear uh, Ukrainians' news. And, uh, and my grandmother, she was very pro-Ukrainian person. Mm. After they switched off... Ukrainian television, two weeks passed, and she was like, Putin is the best, Zelensky the worst. Oh, wow. And uh, I was like, Granny, what are you talking about? And I understood that uh, what propaganda like uh, does with people's minds. Yeah, the power of propaganda. Um, do you think that some of the people who were collaborators or were happy to see the Russians uh, occupy Kherson, uh, do you think that they were watching Russian media before the uh, occupation? Of course. Like, uh, the war was lasting eight years. And uh, when you meet person and when you start to talk to the person, you can... Uh, say easily if the person is watching Russian channels uh, because of aggression. Yeah. I don't know how, but because of Russian television, people start to be aggressive mm. against the other opinion, against uh, the other people. I don't know why. Because uh, I'm okay. I'm pro-Ukrainian girl, like woman, and uh, I'm okay if you have the other opinion. It's your choice. You know, yeah. you have to make your own decisions and uh, you live with that. And uh, life will show if you're not uh, right or no. And uh, like, uh, it's your deal, you know. And uh, did you tell your grandma to stop watching the Russian uh, television and things like that? I asked her. I asked her. But she is 83. Yeah. And uh, I was like, and my dad was very, it's his mom, and my dad was very 
like uh, disappointed about it and i was just telling him that please uh, let like don't do not talk about it with her yeah because yeah. uh she's she's like a kid mm-hmm. you know she's old woman especially when uh russians gave her pension yeah and the ukraine part could no way to deliver pension to occupied territory, you know, no way, no chance. And she was like, Ukrainians do not give me any money for living. And good Russians, see, they gave me. Mm. Simple. And uh, I was like, we can do nothing with that. Um, how did she react to Ukraine uh, taking back control of Kherson? Uh, she was sorry about it. Wow yeah she was sorry about it yes uh i have no connection with her mm. because she doesn't have an internet and uh, i like uh, i i could not speak to her uh, but i have connection to my father and he always uh, like meets her and delivers her food and everything she needs and uh, like he said that she was sorry I know it's a very, very difficult thing to know, but how many people or what proportion or percentage of people do you think were supporting Russia or wanted a Russian occupation uh, before February? And how many are supporting them, Russia, today, do you think? Mm, I think most part of your son and uh, the biggest part of your son uh, they were against russia and that's for sure maybe 10 or maybe maximum 20 percent of them were uh, waiting for russians and i know people uh, like from odessa who were watching russian channels and uh, they were uh, for russia Uh, when the war started uh, they changed their mind and they uh, were uh, against it because they said that they didn't expect them to uh, like shoot civil people and to to do what they did we are well we're talking today on tuesday the 29th of november the ukrainian army regained control of kherson city about three weeks ago now um what were your feelings during that time my first feelings were like nothing i didn't feel any joy and i was scared about it honestly everybody here in kiev were like jumping and celebrating and just uh, congratulating me and i had no feelings then uh, i came home from my job and uh, i started to watch all that videos all that reaction of her son people i started to cry and i feel sorry that i was not with them in that time you know yeah you wish that you could have been there to 
celebrate with them? Yes, because like we were waiting too long for this time and uh, like five days I didn't have any connection with my husband. And then he called and uh, first words he said, I'm okay and Slav Ukraine. And uh, these were like the best words because they felt that they were free to say anything they wanted, you know? Yeah. Do you think that people were expecting the army to come back or had people lost hope at that point? Some Sometimes uh, he told me that he was like losing hope because he says that they wait for so long and nothing happens. And he says, we see that uh, they start like after they came and said him that um, he has to register in their tax uh, tax office. Yes, tax office and and what to do next. And uh, the question was, if you don't want, uh, we will take your shop from you. So, or you uh, accept. Uh, our laws or you do not have your shop anymore yeah. we will take it from you and we knew that the same will be with our home and the same uh, will be like with the Russian passport he didn't take it and he he but we were afraid them to come and uh, to make you to 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 take it because they could take uh, your house your business like all everything from you do you know what the last 3 weeks have been like in kherson now that ukraine is back in control what does your husband tell you yes uh, there was no electricity and water uh, there is gas, uh, but uh, uh, like a few days ago, my husband has, like my home has the electricity on, they switch it on, but it's not in all her songs. Some regions uh, are still do not have the electricity. Yesterday, uh, he uh, sent me a video that uh, we have running water in her song. So now we have water. Uh, first days, uh, like our church, uh, we have our own water, uh, like pump, you right. know. And uh, we had many uh, have many generators. And what my husband did uh, with the volunteers from our church, uh, they took care about those generators, and uh, they gave uh, people water. And they helped people to charge their phones. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they heat water on the fireplace. And uh, people could come with a 
uh, some tanks to have uh, hot water, to have just cold water, and uh, to uh, to charge their phones. Right. So that's what they do. And uh, uh, first days, many volunteers started to come to Kherson. And uh, uh, of course, they saw, uh, they found uh, the places where a lot of people were around, you mm -hmm. know. And our church was that place. A lot of people, my husband said that thousands of people were around and uh, uh, many volunteers started to come to give uh, hot food, to give clothes, to give uh, bread and uh, like some food. And after about a week, no, after about two weeks, uh, Russians bombed the area around our church right and they had to close everything because it became very dangerous for people and uh, um, they give water they still continue to do it and uh, but they ask people to come one by one to not make a crowd and uh, like so uh, because, like, as you know, like a few days ago, there were very big shooting in civils in Kherson from Russia. I think, at, well, at the time of recording now, the last thing that I've heard is about 36 people have been killed in Kherson since, since Russia left the area, which is, I think, from artillery fire and things like that. Um, and that's actually, I think, the main reason why Ukraine is telling people not to go back to Kherson yet. Um, yes, of course, because it's very dangerous. It is very dangerous. My husband sleeps in the basement every night. Uh, we have a basement in our house, and uh, like uh, it is, and all our neighbors they know that they can come and stay in the basement. And uh, first mm -hmm. days there were one family of our neighbors and uh, we spent few nights uh, together like when i was in Kherson in our basement um do you think that your husband will stay there or will he come to see you in, in kiev i don't or... know i don't know it's uh i uh, we talk a lot about it and uh, i say please leave and uh, what he responds is, uh, we'll see, he says. I'll see, because I, he's trying to work there. And uh, he pays salary girls who is selling things from our shop. And uh, he feels a responsibility for them also. This is the only their income. Yeah. Uh, and for him to leave, it means to close mm. everything. And uh, but he says that if uh, he will feel uh, danger, he'll take dogs and he'll leave. But uh, for now, he says uh, he wants to stay and continue to help in church because every day he's there, like helping people to get water to. Like, to charge their phones and uh, what are your 
or what do you think or what do you hope will happen over the next few months? I hope that our military uh, will like push them very, very far away from her son. I hope it for it. And uh, um, I, of course, my biggest hope to come back and uh, to come back to my old life because uh, my husband told me when I was uh, at my sister's, like in Qatar, we spent there, there four months and then we decided to come back to Kiev because I was very homesick, very homesick. I didn't think that I love my country so much you know? and uh, my sister didn't understand me because she left the country like many years ago and she said come and start all over and uh, my husband even told me you can start all over in any country you want and then I'll join you I was like I don't want to start all over if I have like smallest a tiny hope to come back to my home to my old life because I worked so hard to have what I have and uh, I'm not 20 you know to start all over if I have of course I will if I have to but if I have a tiny hope to come back I want to come back I want to come back to her son to my home, to my dogs, to my church, to my clients, to like, to my life. Fantastic. Um, well, Tanya, uh, we have listeners all over the world in Japan, in Korea, in Russia, in Brazil, yeah, all over the world. Um, is there anything else that you would like them to know? Like the first thing I want them to understand Ukrainian people because uh, we are, I think we are the best people in the world. We have big hearts and uh, we, uh, we like freedom and uh, um, we want to be free, really. And we want to live in a better world where is no corruption. And uh, that's what we are fight for. Like the main goal is we want our country to live uh, good. We are hardworking people. We are ready to work, you know, to do anything for that. And... Uh, um, we, of course, we don't want to give our territory to another country, of course. We want everything to be over as fast as it can. We want, like, that somehow someone could stop that crazy man, that one crazy man. And uh, what will be in the future, I don't know. But uh, I want it all to stop. Okay. Anything else that you'd like to say? Slava Ukraini. Slava Ukraini i slava nati i um, i slava vsim našim zahisnikom.
What did you say? I said uh, glory to all our militaries who protect our country because I'm very thankful for our president of all his team, what he's doing, what they are doing. Uh, I think they are doing all they can and they are doing their best. And I want all people around the world uh, to hear us. We are very friendly and peaceful people. We don't want uh, someone's territory, someone's. We, we want our. And we want to save it and to keep it and uh, to develop it. You know, nothing else. Nothing else. Okay, thank you very much, Tanya. That was really fantastic and uh, great to, to know your story. It's a joy for me. Thank you.